Hey, finance fans, you are tuned in to another episode of the Community Money Podcast hosted by me, Guru Ham, CEO of Community Financial Investments. I want to forego my Instagram segment for a bit and talk to you about Family Promise Charity. Now, every night, one in 30 children in the U.S. go to bed without a roof over his or her head. But family homelessness is an invisible crisis. Ashamed of their situation, families often sleep in their cars, motel rooms, or even in crowded apartments, keeping their struggle a secret. As the COVID-19 pandemic spreads through the world, millions of Americans are facing unemployment, just as many shelters and churches must close to prevent the further spread of disease. As the national leader addressing family homelessness, Family Promise knows that shelter and meals alone aren't the answer. Family Promise approaches this crisis with a holistic program that encompasses all the issues surrounding family homelessness, individualized case management, financial literacy and educational programs, workforce development, health and wellness issues, transportation, and so much more. Many Family Promise programs are also working overtime to provide additional resources to families during the COVID-19 pandemic. Now, I heard about Family Promise on Bigger Pockets. So what I decided to do was I went to biggerpockets.com forward slash give back. That is biggerpockets.com forward slash give back. And I made a $25 monthly donation. So that's $25 right now, $25 next month, $25 after that and after that and after that in the COVID-19 pandemic and after. Because I want to make sure that I can do what I can right now to assist families in fighting homelessness during the COVID-19 pandemic. So if you want to do the same, you can donate monthly or you can do a one-time donation of whatever you want to donate to assist families fighting homelessness during the COVID-19 pandemic and beyond. All you have to do is go to biggerpockets.com forward slash give back. Again, that is biggerpockets.com forward slash give back. As family promise helps people avoid short-term and long-term homelessness. This has been Guru Ham. CEO of Community Financial Investments and host of the Community Money Podcast, telling you to stand with me and help me in this fight to help families across this nation and beyond deal with homelessness during the COVID-19 pandemic. Thank you for listening and enjoy the episode. Hey, everybody, you know me, the host of the Community Money Podcast, Guru Ham, CEO of Community Financial Investments. We have Ms. Shavir Ross here for the next episode of the Community Money Podcast. Say what's up, Ms. Ms. Ross. Hey, everybody. How are you doing tonight? And... (laughs) (laughs) Well, Ms. Ross, thank you for showing up for the Community Money listeners. I really appreciate it. And as I was telling you before, I have... I have, you know, big this episode up ever since you said you wanted to do it. So I really appreciate the fact that you can sit down with the Community Money Podcast and show people uh, what's possible. So thank you for that. You're welcome. So um, first off, just introduce yourself. You know, introduce yourself. What's your name? Where you grew up? What school did you go to? Where'd you graduate from? And also, can you let people know where to find you? Absolutely. So, uh, hey, everyone. My name is Shavir. Um, I went to, um, pretty much I grew up right here in Maryland. Um, I also used to live in Trinidad, Trinidad and Tobago. Okay. Um, and yeah, I actually, when I was there, I went to high school there and I came back and, um, moved, uh, back to Maryland and went to university of Maryland. 
and that's where I got both my degrees from. Nice. Which which degrees were those in? They actually had nothing to do with what I'm doing now. They were environmental <laughs> science degrees. Environmental then, science. Okay. Yep. And then my my master's was environmental management. Um, none of which I use today, of course. If you know, I could have went back and done it differently. Yeah, I would have. Yeah. But, you know, I, I did those to make my parents happy. Yeah, I figured that's I like the common story. I didn't know story. what I knew now. Let's yeah, just say that. Absolutely. But it's it's the common story, um, period, right? Whether you right. are fulfilling the dreams of your parents who uh, either couldn't afford to or never were able to go to school. Um, right. Or it was just like a personal a personal, um, personal goal of yours. But then later on down the line, you were like, you know what? Eh environmental mm, money not my right. money might not be there you know so exactly so yeah but that's you know i think that's just that's a part of the american story honestly that's a part of the american fact that's kind of part of the life fabric i don't even want to say american fabric i think it's a part of you know life's fabric when it comes to um being able to search for your own journey to success right searching for your own path so right. so let's talk about, you know, Little Shavir, you know, Little Shavir okay. from Maryland, right? So your right. aspirations growing up, you know, what did you want to be when you grow up as you were maturating in these Maryland streets? You know what? It's so funny that you asked me that because I remember when I was growing up, when I was like a little girl, I wanted to be a professional wrestler. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Because my brother and I used to have these wrestle matches all the time. And I swore that I was kicking his butt. But mm -hmm. looking back on it, he probably was letting me win because he was my older brother. But nice. after I moved through that phase and realized that I might have been a little bit too petite to get in that ring with some of them <laughs> Amazonian women, um, I wanted to be a doctor. I wanted to go to med school and be a doctor. Okay, okay. So those those started out to be, you know, young Shavir. Okay, young Shavir in these Maryland streets. But you, <laughs> but you know, we ain't going to let this, we're not going to let the dreams of wrestling uh, go away so quickly. We're we not going to dive deep. WWE. We're not so going to dive I, deep. But what was, what, number one, what was your favorite character? And what was your, did you have a wrestling name? Did you and your brother have I, a wrestling name? We didn't. That would have been cool if we did. Um, I'm trying to remember what the names were like it's been so long i don't even remember what the names were mm. um but i used to watch that faithfully every week then go to school and talk about it with all the other boys in class because yeah. they were the only other ones that watched it yeah the only ones that really knew what was going on right yeah absolutely absolutely that was great that was fun <laughs> um so so wrestling and, and you said you know you grew up in maryland and everything like that and you know, what careers have you held? Because you said you got your master's in environmental, you said environmental science or environmental management? Yeah, environmental science and policy, then environmental, science environmental and policy. management. Okay. So, so fresh out of college, I worked for the EPA. I was a data analyst there Ooh. working on um, pesticides. It was kind of boring. Mm -hmm. And that was, I think that was my first taste of the real workforce. Like, man, is this life? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. at times, yeah, it can be. Yeah, and then um, I went on to work for the health department. That job was pretty cool because I didn't have to stay behind a desk all day. I got to do inspections and 
um, you know, design people's private sewer system, well mm. water, stuff like that. Mm. Um, so it wasn't so bad, but still it was like, this is what I went to school for. Yeah, for like, sure. Just to do this every mm-hmm. day. Mm-hmm. So. <laughs> That's what it was. <laughs> That's exactly <laughs> what it was. But, but, but crazy enough, though, you know, as a real estate investor on your side, you know, it would be very um, helpful for you to know about well and septic and, you know, how things are designed for the properties that you're buying. So your tenants don't run into any any issues. And then next thing you know, that's an issue that you have to pay for. So, 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 right. So the first house I did, it actually was on septic. mm, Okay. And because I was pretty much like a well and septic inspector, essentially, I kind of already knew what to do. Now, had I known it was on septic, I probably would have, I probably would have still bought it. It was a Mm. sweet deal, but I got lucky there. I didn't have to do anything with it. I tested it, it checked out. Nice, nice, nice. So just, just kind of tying you know, the information that you've already accumulated over time, it kind of helped you a little bit, you know, but I mean, I don't know how much it has helped you in your real estate investor, you know, career. Um, but go ahead. It helped a lot because when I worked for the county, when I would like put in my permits, mm. I was able to see like where the where my permit was along the way. Mm. So I kind of like had access to even some of the houses I was interested in. I had access to some of the files where I could have, you know, seen like, is it on well and septic? Because a good portion of the county or certain parts, depending on where you were, was on well and septic. So I got to look up certain files. Even if it wasn't on well and septic, I got to see what other permits that property had out, mm. what other work might have been done to it. So mm. it worked. Oh, so you had like the inside track, like I the did. inside plug. And I, and I knew some of the inspectors too. So. Great. Great. So you that was a W. It was a big W. <laughs> that was a big W. Um, so, we'll, so we'll get into like the well and septic uh, uh, talking points to, you know, a little bit later in the episode, because I know that uh, maybe some of my listeners out there might not understand, you know, what we, what we might be saying right now, right? Having a knowledge about right. well and septic and, you know, wastewater and things like that when it comes to having a property, buying a property, maintaining the property, and then some of the costs that come about down the line because right. this is like the primary way that you're going to be disposing of things in your in your house. So, right. so, so Ms. Ross, what is your, your current profession? So right now, uh, I'm a business analyst. Uh, I'm a work from home. And I actually, what that even means is I just kind of like manage the portfolio of a small developer, real estate developer in the mm. Baltimore area. Mm, okay. Mm-hmm. And I, of course, I have my own property. So I'm a, also a real estate investor. Absolutely. So, all right. Before we before we get into too much deep dive and I start asking you these questions that I've prepared for you, right, to make sure that the structure of this podcast is of the most professional caliber, right? Can you tell me, (laughs) can you tell me um, a day in the life of a business analyst for, you know, I I guess like a real estate conglomerate and how does it feel to have uh, your own properties and what is, what does it mean to have your own properties? Got it. So a day in the life. So I kind of created this job, meaning, um, you know, I remember when I had to go back to work, which I'll explain, I'm sure I'll end up explaining why later on that I even had to go back to work. 
Um, but when I went back to work, one of the things, because I went back after being used to being a full-time entrepreneur for a good, like, two years or so. Yeah. And um, I told myself, I actually told God, I said, God, you know, if I got to go back to work, then at least... You know, make me the boss. Mm-hmm. Let me yes. work from home. Absolutely. Give me a certain salary. Absolutely. And matter of fact, a car would be nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just throw the cherry on top. <laughs> right. So I um I pretty much started working for this like a door installation company. I managed their market in the DMV. Mm. And then, you know, I started getting a little bored with that because um, you know, it was good. It was a it was a great job to have um but then i wanted to i wanted to venture out and work for some somebody or some organization that was going to pay me to learn the things that i need to learn for my own business absolutely and that's exactly what i did and um and it was also very important for me to be able to work from home to have flexibility i don't like to be micromanaged however i do produce results so you know as long as i'm getting results you shouldn't need to be clocking me absolutely amen to the results one thing i remember gary v i don't know if you know who gary v i definitely do know gary v (laughs) i don't know him personally but i'm gary vaynerchuk (laughs) yes yes right I remember him saying, find the job that will pay you the most to do the least. Mm. That way, especially if you're an entrepreneur, because a lot of people are really pressed to quit their jobs too soon. Yes. Instead of actually learning how to leverage their job to fund their business, to fund their dreams. And so um, that's pretty much what I did. So. All that looks like is, you know, I manage these projects, you know, I figure out what phase it is in the um, rehab process and I'll send certain contractors out. I track the budget and yeah, that's about it. Nice, nice. So how fun is it to not only be working as a business analyst, but also be able to, you know, look at future properties that you know, like you're going to own because you have the capability to do so? And you have right. the knowledge to do so. How fun is that on a scale of one to ten? Well, I love so I can talk about real estate all day, every day. I could look at properties all day, every day. So I'm kind of like in my bubble. Yeah, nice, nice. Yeah, because otherwise I probably would have a lot of the stuff that I'm doing now. I probably a lot of people pay thousands just to take courses, seminars, stuff like that to learn the stuff. So. It's it's pretty sweet to get paid thousands to learn this stuff and to apply it. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, so you have a business, right? So you manage you manage right. your properties. So you have basically like a nine to five, and then your mm-hmm. nine to five fuels your your properties, which also creates your passive income. So that's a pretty decent right. setup. That's a real. That's a yep. really decent setup. I would say that that would be closer to a lot of people's dream jobs as they could as they can get right because you're not stuck behind a right. desk and even if you are, you're putting yourself behind a desk. So when right. did, when did you realize that building a business was going to be able to help you achieve your ideal level of success? I realized that when I remember, I, I would say it was probably like back in 2015, and um. I remember, so my parents, my dad, and my siblings live in Trinidad. Okay, And every holiday, 
every Christmas holiday, they will always ask me, hey, are you coming home for Christmas this year? Are you yeah. coming this year? Yeah. And typically my response was usually, I can't, I have to work. Mm. Or, you know, I have something else that I that pretty much wouldn't allow me to go. My limit was either uh, money or time. Mm. And that's the only two things and we have, really. Exactly. <laughs> time and money. So, so, you know, my parents were getting older and I was like, man, is this like life? Like I can't even, you know, I'm working for the money, but I can't even you know, go see my family when, you know, when I want to for holidays. Yeah. And so I knew something had to shift. And so I kind of got in the inquiry of what would it take? How could I make it happen? Yeah. And the vehicle I found was investing in real estate. Like mm. if I had passive income, then it wouldn't matter. I wouldn't even have to ask for permission to go on vacation. <laughs> yeah, you just go. Exactly. So so I would say that's how it started. That's what piqued my interest in even entrepreneurship because I knew nothing about it before that. Yeah. Man. Man. That's amazing. That That's an amazing answer. And I, I can hear the fact that you are happy at the decisions that you made because now you get a chance to not only have the money necessary to get to where you need to go, but you also have the time that you need to spend with your family to basically make it all worth it. All right. Yeah, pretty much. Last year, I went back like three times, mm. um, which was more than there were some years I couldn't even make it back. Yeah. I even went for Christmas last year, so it was a nice. pretty great Christmas nice. being with your family. Absolutely. 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 Um, being together with family is important because we don't know how long we're actually going to be able to have them with us because, you know, everybody has, you know, more of a conversation. Everybody has an expiration date, but we don't right. know when that is. So we have to be able to uh, utilize the time that we have and utilize our own skills to be able to take advantage of that. So I definitely salute you for being able to figure that out for yourself. And then through this episode, you know, my listeners will be able to utilize the information you're going to give them so they can chart their own uh, journeys to success. So they can use more of their time as they make more money. Factory. Facts. <laughs> Facts. That's a fact. That's a fact factory. I like that. I like that. So so what um so what characteristics of an entrepreneur uh, do you think is most important to the success of a business in general? Or actually more specific, you know, what, what characteristics do you have uh, as an entrepreneur that are most important to the success of your business? You know, um, I'm going to go off of some of the things I've heard other people say about me before. Okay. And I would say as an entrepreneur, you, you definitely got to be open-minded sometimes. You know, the... I always heard this saying, like, be flexible about the, the method to get there, not mm. about the destination, but the journey. Mm. So you got to be open minded. Sometimes, you know, what you want, the way you think you'll get it is not always how it would look. Yeah. The other thing I would say is you got to be relentless. Like you're going to hear entrepreneurs why, you know, what I think one of the things that makes them so admirable is that. They um they have to persevere. Like you're probably gonna get the most no's. You're probably gonna have people laugh at you, laugh at your dreams, mm. laugh at just how big you think, or they probably just won't get it. Even if they don't laugh, they probably won't get it. You'll probably be judged a lot. Um, and you'll have to keep persevering. You'll have to be relentless and kinda like use those 
those no's, the rejections, the judgments, the criticism as stepping stones. Mm. A lot of people kind of like face those and then they get stopped right there and they just kind of give up on their dreams, start convincing themselves they don't want what they thought they wanted anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, Consistency. Mm. Consistency. Capital 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 letters. (laughs) Consistency because... Um, it kind of piggybacks off of being relentless. You're going to have to, sometimes it takes you doing the same thing over and over and over again until you get a result. And, um, yeah, like just don't quit. Absolutely. Just, just don't quit. Just don't quit. Just don't quit. Persevere with Shavira. I like it. I like it. (laughs) Persevere with Shavira. I like it. I like it. But right now we're having such a great conversation but i do have to take a little break from my show sponsors so this is guru hand with the community money podcast and we will be right back with shavir ross and we are back with the Community Money Podcast. Me, Guru Ham, and my guest, Shavir Ross. Now, during that little break, uh, we had to take a little bit of time to go get something to sip on. Uh, Chevy, what did you what, what you got over that cup over there? What you got in that cup over there? So I love rum. So I have some Malibu. Mm, Malibu. I got some Malibu rum and some pineapple juice. Now, my friends try to play me with the Malibu, but... <laughs> You know, I will always say the Malibu room is where it's at. Yeah, you, I mean, you are from an island, so you know, I had to. I am. <laughs> <laughs> had to get the coconut. I had to get the coconut rum, so you know, I can't hold it. They can't hold that against you. Um, but no, one more time, can you let people know where to find you? Uh, let them know what your the email address that you use for any types of questions, or if anybody wants any information. And then also, what's your IG, and can you spell it out for us, please? So you can find me on IG at Chevy Limitless. Hmm. So it's S H E V Y L I M I T L E S S. Okay. And um, as for emails, you could contact me at uh, Chev ninety. Just the most simple email. I have everything else is mad long. Okay. Chef90 at yahoo.com. Okay. All right, cool. So Chef90 at yahoo.com. For anybody mm-hmm. that's sitting at home, you know, hopefully you're not, hopefully you're driving listening to the Community Money Podcast. But if you are driving, pull over and then copy the email down. Don't try to, you know, multitask or whatever. Don't get into no accidents. But for those of you sitting at home, please, Chef90 at yahoo.com. And also Chevy, Liv- Chevy Limitless on IG. So you can be able to reach out to Miss Ross and ask her any and every question that you have about the magnificence that you're about to hear in the next couple of minutes because <laughs> we've because me and you we've had these conversations before so right. and, and that's the way I wanted to I wanted to um let people know who you were what you do uh because I think that you are on to something not on not only that you're on to something but that you have a really great process in in, in identifying opportunity right so you know right. shout out to you for that so this is a part of the um, podcast episode that is new, right? So it's called a deep dive, a deep dive deal okay. overview, deep dive deal overview. And I basically took that from Bigger Pockets. Shout out to Bigger Pockets podcast. If you listen to my podcast, Community Money, definitely check out Bigger Pockets podcast. Not only Bigger Pockets real estate, but Bigger Pockets money, uh, because I learn everything that I need to know from them. I consult the podcast. I you know, message the people who run it. Um, and they ha- they're a wealth of information. So definitely, if you listen to me, go listen to them as well. Um, and also right. the Influence Podcast with Donna Patterson. And check out her episode that we did, uh, the one that's right before this one, um, 
you know, she does, uh, she does uh, consulting and she has Dream Life Consulting. So, you know, definitely check out the previous episode so we can make sure that we get her name out there and check her, uh, check her podcast episode, episodes out as well. So, Chevy. Yeah. This is emphasis on buying a house with zero personal capital. Okay. Which I heard is your favorite thing to do. It is. <laughs> it's your favorite thing to do. So, so what is your step one uh, when you decide that you want to acquire another income property or craft a deal to acquire uh, an income property? What's your step one? So, my step one is I like to. Um, I'll tie this back into funding. I like to make sure that if I'm going to lock up a property that I deliver on locking up the property, meaning I actually close. Mm -hmm. Like if I see it, I want it and I get it. Absolutely. And so before that, I need to be prepared to close on that deal. And in terms of preparation, one of the things you got to be prepared with is how are you going to fund it? Mm. Now, there was once a point in time where I used to use, you know, my own capital to fund a lot of these deals, but... And, and capital uh, is money. You used to use Correct. your own money, right, right, to fund the deals. Okay, cool. I just want Correct. to make sure that the definitions and terms and everything like that, we don't have people get lost in in the, oh, yeah. um, in the, in the financial language uh, right. that, is, <laughs> that is real estate right. investing. So you used to use your own money, your own capital. Got yeah, it. I used to use my own money. Um, the problem is just that, um, I like using other people's money better. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, you know, when you're using other people's money, it's, you're using, you're leveraging, you're Mm. leveraging other resources. Um, and so, um, you know, I, I made sure that that I have a, a, a abundance of private money available so mm-hmm. I don't have to tap into my own funds. Okay. Now, you know, God forbid something happens, I have my funds there to tap into. I would rather not. And then as a result, you know, I use other people's money. Now, one of the things I created when I was investing is that I'm going to also, when I'm investing, I'm also going to help other people make money. Mm, So I have this kind of view that if you're investing your cash, your capital with me, I'm making you money. Where The interest rate that I offer you, where else are you going to find that Mm. interest rate or that return on your money? Mm. The banks aren't going to offer it to you. No. No, not at all. And typically is secured by collateral, which is typically a piece of property. Mm-hmm. So although there's always risk in investing, the risk is, is minimal. Yeah. Or worst case, worst case scenario, you acquired property. Mm. However, it, it, you know, hopefully it never leads to that. Mm-hmm. But all investing is, it's, it's a calculated risk. Yeah. And how can I show them that I'm going to minimize their risk and get them the return on their money that they wouldn't get anywhere else. Mm, Absolutely. So what is an example of a rate of return that you offered on one of your projects? What's a, what's an example of that? So sometimes a rate of return, I could offer 8%, sometimes Mm. 10%. Mm. Right. And then some people offer points. 
Okay. And I've been in a deal before where I, instead of offering interest, I offered equity. Mm. Okay. So they, so, all right. So just to explain it to you guys a little bit. Uh, so the rate of your rate of return, when you do an investment, uh, that means that that's the money that you're going to make because of the money that you put up. Right. So that's your interest. Correct. When it comes to your equity, that means that you have an owner's share of the actual item that was being purchased with the funds that were just uh, raised. Right. So that's right. just like a, just an example um, of what those two terms mean. So what Chevy was saying was she either she in, in a particular deal, she either either offered the payout which was the principle of what they put in plus the additional rate of return. Or she said, you know what? You can have part ownership in this item. And that item was what, you know, they were, you were fundraising for in the first place. Correct. So that's good. That's pretty good. Um, and yes, you are, you are correct. Uh, 8% is nothing that any bank is going to make you. Um, I don't care <laughs> what bank you use. I don't care what bank you use. No bank is going to be able to uh, provide to match 8%. That. Yeah. yeah, they're they're not. They're not. You know, in in one of my workshops, one of my seminars that I did uh, on March seventh with UPC DMV, uh, I let people know that banks are telling people that they can get three percent CDs, certificates of deposit, and they'll mm -hmm. they'll excite you with it because they're like, oh my god, a CD is three percent. Yeah, that's the highest the bank has ever offered. That's not the highest you can get, right? So when you're looking at these investments, like the investment that you know Miss Ross has in place, you know you can you know double or even triple what the bank is going to do for the hard working money that you, the, the hard earned money that you work for. So definitely hit her up, Chev90 at yahoo.com and Chevy Limitus on IG for any questions about her investor side. Um, that was great. That was some great information. And, you know, I, I don't know. I'm not sure if you do, are you, are you into crowdfunding or do you have like a um, crowdfunding exemption or do you just do it through your company? Um, I, I've heard of crowdfunding. I've, um, I've never used it before. Mm -hmm. Um, for actually for me personally, I would, I, I like building relationships with people. Mm, and okay. because remember one of the, one of my goals is not just for me to be wealthy, but to help other people get wealthy as well. So I like wholeheartedly believe like, for example, if you're investing money with me, I'm going to give you a good rate on return. Yeah. I'm going to be increasing your your pockets, your capital. Yeah. And um, it just allows me to kind of like listen to that person, like get to know them one on one because it's a relationship build it business more than anything. Absolutely. And I get to listen to what do you want? What are your goals for yourself? Some people are OK doing long term um, loans. Some people want their return back in a shorter period. Mm. I get to tweak it and offer you something that will work for both of us. Absolutely. So you basically offer your investors like a prospectus. Like, hey, this is what uh, this is what I'm, you know, investing in. And do you want a piece? And hey, this is how much your share costs. And this is what you're going to get back. Pretty much. OK, cool. So, for example, like, remember, I told you there was one partner I, I had that they wanted equity, mm -hmm. but it didn't. I had to listen to them because I had to listen to what they wanted. They typically lend lended their money out. And I had a pretty sweet deal that I didn't want to give up. Mm. <laughs> and, you know, the yeah. thing is, inside of real estate, some people will be willing to give up a deal instead of kind of like, you know, take a, a cut in terms of the profit because they have to either partner with someone, mm. JV with someone, 
or even maybe sometimes paying a, a certain interest rate. Yeah, J- JV um, as in joint venture. Exactly. Okay, cool. We said, tell me that again. No, I said JV as in joint venture. Yep. Just to make sure that the terminology is... is Correct. Okay, JV, cool. joint venture. So that one partner in particular, he was tired of lending his money out. He <laughs> had a lot of money, but he was just tired of lending it out. He said, you know, I want to own something. Mm. I said, okay, awesome. Let's get you some ownership. <laughs> Let's get you some ownership. Yeah, take this equity. <laughs> and, and he takes a, a, a percentage of the profit every month. Okay. He funded the deal. So that, yeah. that was cool with me. Yeah, so it's on. It's only right that you know the people that you work with get what they want. So that's great. That's great. Exactly. That's great. That's great. Thank you for that example as well. And um, the purpose of this podcast also, when just going back a little bit, the purpose of this podcast is to not only find out how successful people become successful, but find out what you go through like mentally like what are you thinking about right you know because we talked about you know little shavir in these maryland streets but you know what older shavir we want to know how do you prepare mentally when you take on such a task right because real estate is no small feat these are buildings you're buying property you're you know i don't know if you invest in commercial but you know you get enough properties you know you're basically playing monopoly and there's a risk especially with the times that we're going through right now with the COVID-19, of course, and people not being able to pay their rents and everything like that. So you're taking that risk that other people wouldn't wouldn't take or don't think right. that they can take. So, you know, how do you prepare mentally to acquire uh, these properties? Like, how do you do that knowing that there's other things that can go awry? So, you know... Um one thing that I do that I take very seriously is personal development. Mm. I I reinvest. I invest in myself a lot. Mm. A lot of the money I make goes into reinvesting, whether it's in, you know, like connected networking events to connect with the right people, to connect with people who have what I want or they're headed in the same direction as me. I listen to a lot of audio. I read a lot of books. And I think all of that's important because you got to be mentally prepared for any any goal or dream or vision you have. You're going to be tested. And if your mindset isn't there, you're going to give in at the first sign of trouble. That's not the time to give in. That's the time to persevere. Mm. And your mindset needs to be ready for battle when that happens. Yeah. So. Um, I would say definitely that's number one. Okay. Um, and then the next thing is being around the right people. Yeah. Because sometimes it's common when you're going through a challenge in the pursuit of your goals, your dreams. Sometimes it's common that if you are isolated or kind of by yourself in it, you might think that challenge, that obstacle is like, it's just you or like, it's the biggest fleet. Like you don't even know how to overcome it. (laughs) You're around the right people, the right network. I'll tell you, I'll tell you a couple things. When I was going through one of the hardest times in my life in terms of a few years ago, you know, I had to file bankruptcy and stuff like that. It was one of the darkest times in my life. I thought my dreams of being, an investor were over Mm. and it took me being around people who still viewed me they it's like they knew who i was and they viewed me 
they didn't listen to me how I where I was. They didn't weren't viewing me as um like this person this dark face. They were viewing me beyond where I was. Yeah. Like I have one friend that calls me Oprah all the time. Now we <laughs> joke about it. I'll take it. Yeah, for sure. But you know, sometimes it takes people affirming you or reminding you who you are when you're going through a dark time like that. But most importantly, you're going to connect with the right people and they're going to hit the same obstacles as you and they're going to have something for you. Like, how did they overcome it? Like, oh, you mean it was that easy? That's yeah. all I had to do? Yeah. Then boom, you're past that obstacle and you're you're on to the next milestone. Yeah. So, or sometimes it's just like, you know, being in, being in the conversation, staying around the campfire. Mm-hmm. And when I say staying around the campfire, like the people who are doing it, you can't be around people who are high performers, yeah. achieving success at a high level and not stay warm yeah, and not get some of that. Yeah, it's going to sure. influence you to keep going, to get where they are. You're going to keep striving. So it's kind of like being that friend that... Um, you know, let's say you're that friend that you're making 60K a year and you're hanging around a bunch of people that their salaries are probably like 40000 a year. How are you feeling? Probably I'm feeling, feeling like, like they're king. I guess, yeah, I you got, feeling like you know what I'm doing yeah, something. I'm doing, I'm doing I'm, something, I'm accomplishing yeah. something. Yeah. Right? Now, let's flip gears and let's say you still got, you're making that same 60000 whether it's in profits or a salary to job. And all your friends are making a hundred k and up. How are you feeling then? I feel like I need to step my game up. <laughs> exactly, you need to step. Like, what are they doing? I need to do something. Yeah, for sure. Right. So it kind of all falls into that. Being around the right people, making sure you're like investing in yourself, like you know, pouring you know certain things into yourself, like your mindset, mm-hmm. getting that sharp and ready for battle and. And, you know, once you do that, you, you can't really go wrong. Yeah. You're bound to achieve results, success. Yeah, for sure. I can definitely dig that because, you know, sometimes, I mean, there, there's a cliche term, right, that says if you're around nine broke people, you know, you're bound to be the 10th. But that, that right. this, that's the same thing when it comes to success and, you know, being able to be profitable and kind of living the life you want. Like if you're around nine successful people, you know, you're going to be the next one because there's there's no way that you can hang with that type of group and they not pour into you, especially, right, if, they, exactly. especially if they care about you. Right. There's, right. No, there's no way. There's no way. There's no way. And, and, go ahead. And also, if you think about learning styles, see people, a couple ways people learn is they might learn through listening to certain things. Mm-hmm. They might learn through, um you know, like seeing certain things, kind of doing certain things. Mm-hmm. So I remember I have a, a very, when I, you know, was getting back in the, the real estate game after like, you know, I kind of hit a financial disaster, essentially. Yeah. I started showing up. I started showing up to local real estate investing meetups. Mm-hmm. And that's where I started connecting. Now, I had a very good friend of mine who was a pretty big investor in the Richmond area. Her name is Martine. Mm. And she would come down to the DMV to to go to some of those meetups. And I would see her. I would watch her. Now, I'm an introvert. I would rather stay at home on the couch and read a book or something. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. So it 
it took something for me to push myself. I had to get out of my comfort zone and not just show up, but connect to people. Some mm. people are going to these things and they're just sitting there like a bump on a log and yeah. leaving right, right out. Yeah. Now, um, you know, I, I remember seeing my friend Martine. She was like being intentional about introducing herself to people, you know, like seeing how they how they're doing. What do they do? How could she help them? Mm. And, and I noticed she did this even after she started reaching like really big levels of success. Just yeah. nothing changed. Yeah. So I saw that from being around her and I began to do the same thing and I made some prosperous, <laughs> some lucrative relationships mm. that have really just kind of like gotten me where I am today mm. that have even had me to purchase property in a way that's so creative. It's not a way that people traditionally do it. Mm. Like how? Like such this? as such as seller financing. Mm. Can you can you have, run that down? Having yep, having the the seller, the homeowner, be the bank. Oh, oh! Can you run through that a little bit for me, please? Because uh, yep. yeah, I definitely know that my community money listeners would love to hear how seller financing works when it comes to real estate investing. Right. So. You know, sometimes, as you can imagine, when you're purchasing, the traditional way to purchase property is you typically find a deal, you either need to find a bank to loan you the funds, mm -hmm. or maybe private money. You might find a private money lender to loan you the funds. Mm -hmm. Now, you, there's typically paperwork that has to, a lot of paperwork that comes with that. It's a process, mm -hmm. and um, sometimes you got to do inspections, and, and just, it's a process. I'll say that. Absolutely. And um, the, a great way that I love to acquire is through seller financing or creative structuring deals where the owner that wants to sell, they just want to get out of their house. They're the bank, meaning I'll take title to the house mm. and I'll pay the mortgage, the pre-existing mortgage that's in place. I'll pay that every single month. And um, that owner, that whoever the previous owner was, they, you know, I might give them a lump sum. I call it eat money yeah, at the closing table. Mm -hmm. So they could walk away with, you know, maybe the difference in their mortgage or if they don't have a mortgage, they'll walk away with something. Yeah, for sure. And they, we, they never have to really hear from me again until the house is paid off. Mm. And sometimes I might just choose to refinance out with a lower interest rate. If I even have an interest rate with them, <laughs> yes, two to three years later, who knows? But that way, I don't have to go through that due diligence process with the bank. I don't have to go through all that paperwork. I don't have to go through that whole running your credit score or any of that. Yeah, yeah. So, what would be the reason for you having to meet with the uh, original owners of the home uh, once the once the house is paid off? What would be the reason for that? Because you said you're you already took I, I wouldn't have took to, title. I, yeah, I wouldn't have to because I'm the I'm the owner. Yeah, you're the owner now. The loan may still be in their name, mm. but I'm paying it off. Our contract, and you know, a lot of people wonder, well, well, Shavir, why would a owner, why would a homeowner choose to sign the deed over to you and still keep the mortgage or the loan in their name? Yeah. Now, a lot of people who. You know, like even today, some people want out 
you're like solving someone's problems. There's people <laughs> yes. who want out of their house. Yes. They can't put it on the traditional MLS or list it with an agent because it might need work. Mm. And that if a house needs work, you need money to put the work into it. Yes, Sometimes absolutely. they don't have the money. They don't want to put work into it. Yeah. Or you get a home inspection and, you know, the whoever's buying it from you traditionally can't even close on it until you fix a bunch of stuff. Yeah, for Who sure. has time for that? Who wants to do that? Yeah. And, you know, sometimes it's urgent. Sometimes they need the money. Sometimes they're older and they want to move, go retire somewhere. They don't want the burden of a house or the property taxes or maybe their pre-foreclosure. Yeah. People like that, sometimes it's a divorce. Yeah. And they can't afford the payments anymore. Mm. And when you're an investor, you're a problem solver. You're solving those problems for them. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, so if I could help them solve that problem where they never have to worry about that house or even making another payment again, and I'll have you walk away with a nice chunk of change to do whatever the heck you want with it. Yeah. I'm solving your problem. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So I just want, I just want to make sure that I'm understanding this correctly. So when you, so you, you find sweetheart deals and I and I'm saying this with a smile on my face. I don't know if the listeners can hear, but you find sweetheart deals to overtake mortgages from homeowners who no longer want the responsibility of owning their own homes. Correct. And outside of that, you also find people with the capital, which is their own personal money, their own personal investments, to go in with you to provide the lump sum money for the people who are selling their house to you, right? Right, that's one way to do it. Okay, but but right. and then you invent, but then you also can use your own capital um, to Correct. move forward with the process. But then outside Correct. of that, which you know, you're taking over a mortgage, and you have the title. But the thing that is most fascinating to me is the equity grab that's left over from what the homeowners, you know, if you can you can get a two hundred and fifteen thousand dollar appraised home. For a hundred and fifteen thousand, then that means that you have a hundred thousand dollars worth of equity that adds to your actual net worth, and that's another exactly. and that's another way of making money. Exactly. Now here's the beauty of it. Ooh, tell I, me the beauty. I'm predominantly, I'm predominantly a buy and hold investor, meaning mm. I just buy them to rent them out. Mm, okay. Me the too. beauty of it is now I just took title to that house, and now I could either reverse and do a lease option meaning that person you know let's say i find someone who maybe they hit hard times they can't quite get a bank loan yet but they're willing to you know pretty much rent out the house for a certain time period and they have the option to purchase it once either they repair their credit or maybe come up with the capital to do it Mm, okay or or i could do an option where um i could do another seller finance where i have a person in there who actually purchases for me because mm. i'm the owner yeah absolutely. and they give me let's say they give me a twenty thousand down payment that house is theirs <laughs> now i hold the note to that house mm. Absolutely. Or I could just put a tenant in there and have them pay me however much the rent is every month. Sometimes the rent can be fifteen hundred, seventeen hundred, 
you know, as long as I'm making that that cash flow every month, why not? I, the point is that when you when you're an owner, you have options. You can mm. move things around that will best suit your financial needs. Mm, absolutely. And for the community money listeners, because I know I've had a, I have a couple of questions that were given to me that they wanted me to mention. So how do you assess rent? Like, how do you assess the rent that you're going to charge somebody for living in one of your properties? How do you go about doing that? So there are some pretty cool, um, you know, like features these days on the Internet that weren't around a few years ago. But some of the things I use is Rentometer and even Zillow. Mm. That'll tell you the average rent in that area. Mm. So I have a I have a rental in Baltimore the average rent was about 1250 yeah that's average but I noticed average their houses didn't look like mine either mm. I had a pretty good renovation so I collect thirteen hundred dollars in rent mm. and it's a two-bedroom one and a half bath house in mm. downtown is it downtown Baltimore or Baltimore City it's Baltimore City, but it's about 10 minutes away from downtown Baltimore. Okay, so they still have, like, all of the features, the mm-hmm. walking to this particular place, and it yep. doesn't really cost a lot for an Uber or a Lyft or anything like that. So Correct, they're, they're right in, off the Beltway yeah. and walking distance from a hospital. Nice, nice. That's a really good location. Really good location. Next to a hospital, mm-hmm. you know, next to a military base, next to, in a good school district, you know, all of these things. Um, not a community college, like a four year, you know, <laughs> you know, usually, usually people going to a community college actually live in a city that they're, that they're going to school right. in. So I don't really, you know, they still living with mommy and daddy. So you ain't really going to be able to get nothing unless they want to be rebellious. And then they get hit with that $1,500 a month and they, you know, try to come back. <laughs> right. So, so, so number one, amazing, amazing, you know, little tidbit. Um, about how you go uh, go into procurement of these properties, and then a little bit on how you um, you can basically grab equity uh, by mm-hmm. using your own money or using you know private money, right? So that's right. great. So step two, uh, after you set the plans in motion to acquire the property in question, um, you know what are some things that have to be considered during a project, and what role do you play in making sure that everything goes smoothly? Now, um, when you're going through a project, so let's say you purchase a house that needs some work. Mm. Now, I don't know, a lot of people might be familiar with the BRRRR method, meaning you're buying, you're you're renovating, Mm -hmm. then you're renting it out, and Mm. you're refinancing. Mm -hmm. And you repeat. (laughs) Exactly, then you repeat. Cash out, refi, repeat. Mm -hmm. Now, um, typically, like, one of the things I need to have is I need a, at this point in the game, I could kind of estimate my own repairs. Mm -hmm. And when I meet with a contractor or my contractors, I'm telling them how much I'm willing to pay for it. Can you get it done? Yes or no? Yeah, for sure. And like I said, I have a pretty good gauge on how much things will cost now. So that typically works. And then you need to prepare a scope of work, which outlines everything that needs to be done to that property. Does it does what you're doing? Is it going to require permits? All right. What's the timeline that you have? And then, you know, if you're let's say you're using hard money, sometimes you have you're paying interest rate, interest fees every month. Hard hard money. What is hard? Can you explain hard money to the listeners? Yeah. Hard money is another way for you to acquire the funds for a deal. 
Um, it's just they typically have a higher interest rate. Mm-hmm. Well, h- hence, it's it's called hard money. That's a, that's a, that's a hard deal but, <laughs> with that yeah. interest rate. But, you know, you find a deal that will still make sense if you're paying a higher than normal interest rate. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, yeah, scope of work. Make sure you find the right contractors. Now, for me personally, what I do, um, I know like on my last deal, it was my first time working with a certain contractor. Okay. And and what I did is I didn't pay him a first draw up front. I pay him his first draw after he's complete with demolition. Mm, okay. So that means that they actually had to come in and yep. start doing the work before Correct. you actually, yeah. Right. And then I pay them based off of milestones, meaning I'm not, it's not based off of every, every, by the end of the week, it's, did you finish? And I have in my contract that I create my own contract. Yeah, for sure. And um, because it, you know, it specifies everything. It keeps me protected and them. Yeah. And, um, I have milestones in there. Did you complete everything there was to complete in that milestone? Yeah. Okay. Here's your check. Here's the next draw. Mm. And they have to let me know that they're going to complete it at least two days in advance because you can't just call me on a Friday like, hey, I'm ready for the check. I might be doing something else. Yeah. All right. So you kind of got to give me a heads up. Um, So, you know, those are little things that kind of go into the process of from the moment you're renovating a property, especially for the people who want to do rehabs. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah. Come up with a good system to keep track of everything, especially yeah. if you're working a full time job, because sometimes that could be a lot to manage. Yeah, for sure, for sure. So, where, so how did you get into contracts? Because contracts are very, very important, right? At, you know, after we're eighteen years old, you know, federally, you're able to go into whatever contract you decide you want to go into. So, how right. do you go about building your own contracts to make sure that the work gets done and everything is 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 all taken care of? Right. So, you, have, you know, do you have any caveats outside the milestone? And do you have, sorry. And do you have any caveats outside of the milestones in your contract? So, so I probably didn't do it the way an attorney would recommend, which is <laughs> I kind of gathered a bunch of other investors, what contracts they're using. Mm. And I, I read through them and I picked the ones that I, I thought were really I like piece them together mm-hmm. in a way that clearly outlines expectations, even my scope of work. And, you know, God forbid anything shall happen. You know, everything's clearly laid out in the contract. If we ever had to go to court or anything, um, you know, a contractor could read it and know exactly what I expect and what the rules are, you know, and, and even what to expect for me. Yeah. And I thought, you know, kind of like how you, you know, you do the podcast, you kind of like think, what should I, what are some things my listeners would want to know from this, this, you know, person I'm interviewing, I kind of think, what are some things that, you know, my contractor would expect of me that should go into this contract? Or Mm. what are some things that some obstacles I might come across later on down the road that might need to go into this contract? And pretty much I created that and I have a pretty solid one that seems to have worked. Mm. So I, you know, I keep using it. Okay, absolutely. So basically, like, you know, copy and paste 
as soon as it actually worked pretty well, the work was done. Yeah, sort of copy. <laughs> sort of, you still yeah. got to make sure you read through it and it has certain terms. But I just did a lot of research in developing a contract for myself. And then I had it reviewed by an attorney. Absolutely, yes. Get it reviewed by an attorney. Hey, right. Listen, Community Money Podcast listeners, do not just make your contracts without having them looked at by an attorney. <laughs> Miss Ross just said it. She just dropped that bomb. You know, you can you <laughs> highly can, recommend. Yeah, highly that recommend. If you gotta pay, even if you gotta pay a little bit of cash to have an attorney review it, that might save you a lot of cash in the long run. Mm, absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. So what I'm going to do right now is we're going to take a quick break for you know just to give you guys a break or whatever. I know this might be a lot. Uh, definitely take some time. Go over your notes. Uh, and we will be back with the Community Money Podcast. Me, Guru Ham, and my guest, Shavir Ross. Be right back. And we are back with the Community Money Podcast. Shavir Ross, me, Guru Ham. We have been sitting down here and talking about some amazing things. And this is basically the last leg of the episode, but I mean, I've had a great time. Chevy, have you had a great time so far? I had an awesome time. That's what's up. That's what's up. So what I want to ask you is, you know, what is the hardest thing about being a business owner in 2020 right now? And you also said that you went through a bankruptcy, right? So can you let Uh the the listeners know uh, when it happened, uh, how it happened, and, you know, what you did to push through? To make sure that you didn't end up, you know, on the the wrong side of, you know, a bankruptcy and the bankruptcy laws in America. So can you tell us a little right. about that? Sure. So so my bankruptcy started when, you know, there's there's a couple of things growing up. You know, I came from a third world country and then, you know, I'm probably like like the first person in my like family on my mom's side to actually like go to college, stuff like that. Mm. And um one thing is, you know, after a while, I learned how to make money by investing. Mm. What's a whole other ball game is learning how to maintain your money. <laughs> yes. Yes, for sure. Right. So, so pretty much once I started, like, you know, I was about 24, 25 years old when I started flipping houses. I'm 30 now. But one of the things that, I didn't realize it's like I didn't I wasn't used to having so much money in my bank account <laughs> at one time. It was like it was like crazy. Yeah. Like pretty much what most people's salaries are in a year and then some. Mm. And I mismanaged it. Like I thought that once I hit a certain level of success, everything I did to get there, I didn't really need to do stuff like budgeting, tracking was coming in and out. Mm, mm. Why? I made it. Yeah. And so <laughs> I made as it, you mama. can imagine, that went downward really quick. Like it became more about like, you know, stuff for me. I had this context back back then. You know, one of the things I'm committed to doing is being a multi-millionaire. I had a contact back then that went millionaires, they spend their money on whatever the heck they want. Mm. Far from the truth. Mm, for sure. Right? And so pretty much I remember October of 2017, I remember just sitting there like, man, where'd the money go? I can't even pay my rent for the month of November. Mm. What am I going to do now? And I remember once I discovered like, wow like 
like I, I couldn't even tell you where all of the money went. Mm. I remember just kind of like sinking to the floor, like, man, like I was mad at God. I was like, man, God forsook me. And like, you know, where is he now? I yeah. went to the shower, I went to the bathtub and just was sitting there in the bathtub with the shower, just raining on me all pathetic. Mm. And, and, um, yeah, it was like one of the like darkest, hardest times in my life because I was used to having, I was always good with managing my money before that. Yeah, for sure. And I was used to, I almost had an 800 credit score one time. Like I just was, I wasn't used to being in a space where I didn't know what my next move would be. Mm. And unfortunately that took me out for, I would say a good like majority of the next year. Because I made up, the thing is, I made up, you know, all these, I was so hard on myself. I made up all these stories like, man, maybe success ain't for me or maybe entrepreneurship ain't for me. Mm. Because the thing is, I, I although I listened to a lot of like personal development, one thing I wasn't used to was hearing people talk about their failures. Ooh, yes. Talk that talk. Talk that talk, Miss Ross. Right. Talk so it. it's like, you know, I, I, I hadn't heard those stories. So when I failed, I thought that was it for me. And then after a while, you know, I realized that that's when I had to go back to work, had to get a full-time job again, which was a transition in itself. Yeah, for sure. And then after a while, I had this, um, I had this, a very good friend of mine, she told me, she asked me one day in summer of 2018, because everybody knew before then, like, I went from being able to talk about money, finances, business all day, every day, to all of a sudden, it was that topic. I just, you, that was that topic you don't talk about with me, because mm. I wasn't ready to deal with the mess I mm. created. Mm. And she asked me, and she said, hey, do you think millionaires have a budget? I said, no, why would they? Why would they need one? She said, All right, let me ask you a different question. <laughs> do you think do you think businesses have a budget? I said, Oh, oh I see what you did there. Absolutely. And from that point on, I like, you know, pretty much went back to like managing my money in a way that kind of like allowed me to have a breakthrough in the area of money, business, finances. Then um, finally, and I finally decided to uh, do a bankruptcy because it was like I could either put thousands of dollars into paying the stuff off or pay about what is it, twelve hundred, fifteen hundred bucks, get it wiped away, and take that money and stack towards my next investment. Mm -hmm. Right now, I'm not you know advising that that's what everyone else does, it was the best decision for me. Yeah, for sure. And 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 the reason I chose it also is because I started listening to audios, people like Ed Milet, Robert Kiyosaki, and I realized they filed bankruptcy before. <laughs> yeah. And then I realized, you know what? I'm in good company. Yeah. <laughs> I'm in good yeah. company. Yeah, it, sure. it was a part of the 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 journey, and so. You know, slowly but surely, I started building myself back up, building my mindset back up. And I remember in, um, you know, once my bankruptcy was discharged, I felt like I had a clean slate. 
the thing is that I realize a lot of people, they hit a challenge or obstacle and they start convincing themselves they didn't really want what they thought they wanted. Maybe yeah. that goal was too lofty anyway, or maybe I didn't really need all of that. Yeah. Maybe I don't really need to be a millionaire, stuff like that. And luckily, I found myself going down that road, but luckily, you know, God had other plans for me. Absolutely. And pretty much, I would say in the spring of 2019, after all that happened, I was like, man, my, my dreams of being a, a buy and hold or a landlord, a buy and hold investor or a landlord, they out the window. How am I going to get a loan that's going to, you know, have me like finance properties? Nobody's going to do that for me with a bankruptcy on my record. Yeah. And finally, I just told God, I had a conversation with God. I started praying again. I had stopped praying after that happened. Uh. And I was like, you know, it's not working with me trying to do everything by myself. Like, it's like my vision was gone. And they say, you know, your vision comes from God. Mm -hmm. So I started praying again. And then one day I was like, God, you know what? If you're the God that makes a way out of no way, then make a way for me. Mm. And he delivered on it. <laughs> Look what happened. He, he delivered because after that, it's like, as I was consistent and like, you know, connecting, building my relationship with God, it's like my vision started coming back. And shortly after that, you know, I pretty much, you know, I started showing up. I started connecting with the right people, seeing people in action, being surrounded with high performers. And eventually I raised $250,000 in private money, purchased Ooh. some property, Ooh. you know, even did some creative financing deals. Mm. And then, you know, pretty much now, you know, I, I would say the first of the month started looking a little different. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, but it came with its obstacles. It came with its challenges. Even now, it still comes with its challenges. You just got to kind of determine for yourself what price are you willing to pay for the life that you want. Mm. And I already made a decision that I'm willing to pay the price. Mm. So there's, there's not going to be a price that's too high for me. Mm. Absolutely. Well, number one, thank you for that that unique vulnerability that just came with that story. I know a lot of people personally that wouldn't, you know, let hundreds, you know, let alone the person that they that they they come home to every night know that hey, I, there was a time where I was down in the dumps, and I just had to, you know, you know, consult the Most High. Right. And figure out how I was going to be able to work through the particular situation, because, of course, you know, the Bible says the most common one is, you know, faith without works is dead. Right. So mm -hmm. if you do have if you do have faith and you're willing to put in the work, you are willing to put in the action, things will happen for you. Right. right. So so thank you so much for, for for doing that for the listeners, because I know that there's somebody out there right now. There's somebody out there right now that might say, you know what? I don't know how successful I want to be. I don't know if success is actually for me. I failed so many times, but failure is not, it shouldn't have a negative connotation. I believe that fail is an acronym. It's your first attempt in learning, right? right. So you should want to fail, but you don't fall backwards. You fail forward. Exactly. Failure sometimes is your tuition. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Hold on. Failure is your tuition. Oh, we look, we late in the episode. I'm thinking about <laughs> titles. I'm thinking about show titles. Failure <laughs> is your tuition. Oh man, that hit hard. Oh, that's great. Right. I'm I'm taking because, that. See, if I didn't if I didn't hit that rough patch, I would have forever been trying to like fund deals the traditional way with my own money. 
I had to find a way around it. Like, I had to say, like, you know what? A bank probably won't use my score for now because of what's on it in the interim. But how can I fund it? And I would say that's the magical question. A lot of people get stopped with, I don't know. I don't know how to figure it out. Start asking yourself different questions. How can I do it? How can I get it done? How can I afford it? Yeah. And I just found creative ways. I got resourceful. Mm. And one thing that I remember the first private money lender I used, I remember it was like one of my first deals after I kind of like, you know, I had my comeback. Yeah. And air quotes. I called him. I called him like five times and he did tell me yes, but he wasn't telling me no either. (laughs) Yes. And I called him and called him and then I just listened to what he wanted And I told him where I'm going and I told him what I'm about to do. And I told him, you know, I would love for him to be a part of it. And, you know, he could choose what he's going to do. But after the fifth time, I was like, I'm not getting off this phone until you give me my answer. Mm, mm. And he was all in. And the thing is that he told me, you know, even though the deal seemed good, he was like, the thing that had him say yes to me was just I was just so hungry and relentless mm. and he couldn't tell me no. I made yeah. it hard for him to tell him no. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder if he kind of saw himself in you a little bit, you know, at at a certain time. So it was kinda like it wasn't really him and I'm I'm not trying to go all autonomy life coaching on you right now, but you know, I think that, you know, when we can't say no to people who remind us of us. Like we, right. we can't because we wanna help you because we know that if we do, we're kind of like helping ourselves in a, in a, in a way because because right. we've been there. Like we've been there. We've been hungry. We're like, you know what? I want to own, a, you know, an apartment park. Right. But like, who do I know that has that already? Right. And if you come to that person with a well-crafted deal, you know, the numbers can look well all they want. But like if he wasn't really trying to work with you, he wasn't right. going to work with you. You know, like exactly. he, he didn't. So it was your hunger. And listen, guys, it was it, it's, it was her hunger that closed that deal. So right. be hungry. And I even had a mentor that I had found like before all that happened. Her name is Atia Blair. And um, it was dope because I didn't see many women. I, I'm starting to see more women investing versus when I first started investing in 2015. Mm-hmm. But um she had a course that I took and I remember after the course that course connected all the dots for me and Mm. I went up to her and I said hey do you mentor because one thing remember I told you being around the right people even having somebody more experienced than you kind of like seeing what you're doing course correcting if needed be and so she said you know I don't really mentor I'm doing I'm busy doing my own deals I don't really got time for that that's why I put these courses together Mm. now I told myself she don't know it yet, but she's going to be my mentor. <laughs> you said it. You spoke it. Yep. I did. And sure enough, she's my mentor. See, because people who are successful or like kind of at the top or people you view are at the top, there's never like a I made it moment per se. You're just always like striving to grow, challenge yourself, stuff like that. Yeah. But people up there. There's a misconception like they don't really got time for me, da, da, da. but they just want to, they are very, they value their time and they're willing to give their time to the person who wants it, who, not just who wants it, who deserves it. Mm. They're hungry. Mm. They're relentless. Absolutely. They're not taking no for an answer. Mm. 
Absolutely. And, and I guess I'll kind of like wrap this up by saying, like, use your words, people. Your words could create your world. Mm. Remember at the beginning, I said, I didn't realize the power of it at the time. But at the beginning, I said, when I had to go back to work, I created the job that was worth going back to. Yeah. That could at least be, you know, what I wanted. And then I created the one I'm in now. I created everything that happened with my properties, the money that I raised, all of that. I created that with my words. Mm. I started getting present that, remember, we're creators. You could create the life you want. You could create whatever the heck you want if you actually just get the power of your word. And I would say the key to that that I discovered is just being your word, being somebody who does what they say they will do because mm. your word gets that much more power in the world, in the universe. When you know yourself, like if I say this, it happens. Mm. But if you're somebody that like gives your word to things, you don't even do what you said you would do. Mm. You start to diminish your relationship with yourself. Mm. So your word isn't that valuable. Yeah. Yeah, gym alert. That was definitely you. Definitely dropped the gym. I wish I had a soundbite for that, but I don't. I don't have a soundboard. I just got the website. It's going to take a little bit too long to find it. Oh man, be a person of your word, Miss mm -hmm. Ross. That was that's gold. that's that's the biggest key. Just do what you say you'll do. Eventually, you'll strengthen that relationship with yourself. You'll know yourself as a person of your word, and your word has power in the universe to create whatever you want. Your word could create your world. Mm, absolutely. So what is your what is your ultimate goal? With all of this knowledge and all the things that you know, all the things that you do, all of your mentors, all the people that you mentor, right, all, with all of your mentees, what is your ultimate goal as an entrepreneur? My ultimate goal is I just want to um, acquire property that I could pass down to my generations because historically what I've found is, um, you know, ownership. I think it's, it's something that has been missing, particularly in the like black community. Mm. And I realized once you have ownership, you could control things. Now you have options. Now you could actually like transform the culture, the community. And I want to be able to do that for my future generations. I want them to, I want to shift the way my family history has historically gone mm. from being poor, poverty, mm. to ownership, wealth. Mm. And I want to pass that down, not even just in property, but in knowledge. The next thing is that I just want to, I want to travel the world. I want to have freedom where I don't have to ask for permission to do what I want to do. Yeah. I want to send my parents on trips all over the world because mm. I know the sacrifices they made for me. Mm -hmm. I want to travel the world with other like very like highly successful, fun-driven, ambitious friends. Mm. I want us to just have a rich life experience for the rest of our lives. And I want to help more people do the same thing. And I know that I can't help more people if I'm not doing it first. Absolutely. Absolutely, absolutely. Wonderful goal. Uh, wonderful ultimate goal as an entrepreneur for you, Miss Ross. So what's your what's next on the slate for you? Uh, and where do you see your business uh, five or 10 years from now? So what's next is I'm just, you know, I have a goal to acquire another 10 rentals by the end of this year. Mm. And by the end of 2021, I want to have at least 20, probably more. Mm. And then um, at some point, I want to purchase apartment buildings. Mm, Who knows? Sure. That may come sooner. Yeah, for sure. And pretty much within the next five or 10 years, I'll own well over 100 different doors, units, mm. 
that I wanted, wouldn't even have to manage myself, maybe I could start being the lender and not the borrower. Oh, for sure. Start lending people, lending, you know, people who have deals themselves be the lender there. Yeah. And just kind of like, you know, just, just build a legacy. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Five to ten years, legacy building with Shavir Ross. I like it. <laughs> I like it. So you said you were an introvert. Mm-hmm. So that means that you like to stay at home, kind of be to yourself, but you can still kind of be around other people. Right. Well, here's here's the thing. A lot of people, I'll tell them I'm an introvert, and they'll be like, you, no way. So, <laughs> so keep in mind, what makes somebody an introvert is okay. just they, just they just charge up. They just recharge their batteries when they're alone. Mm. But okay. they, they actually, a lot of them actually love, like me, love people. I do love being around people. It's just when I, it's time for me to recharge. I recharge, you know, at home, sometimes just reading a book, even watching a movie, something like that. Um, and so, yeah. Yeah, but I do love people. I love being connected to people. I love helping people, stuff like that. Nice, nice. Very community oriented. So, right. when you're home, and you're recharging those batteries, mm-hmm. right? When you're right. not around people, <laughs> when you're recharging those batteries, you know, what books have you read uh, or read, read, read multiple times uh, that you could recommend to our listeners uh, so they can get a better understanding of both your mindset and the mindset of right. the modern day entrepreneur? So a couple books, mm. The Dream Giver and The Alchemist are my favorite books. <laughs> I just had The Alchemist be suggested. The Alchemist was just suggested on my last episode. So guess right. what I'm guess what I'm about to get on a uh, on an audio uh, audio the, book. The Alchemist. The Alchemist, nice. See, see, those are I love those personal development books that are in storybook form. Yeah, because it kind of like paints the picture. It's like a movie being played in your head, and the beauty about those books is it kind of like helps you. It's almost like you feel like they were written about you. Mm. Like from the moment you start to realize, hey, I have a dream, but I don't know if I should go for it, and then you make a decision to go for it, and you hit obstacles along the way. Some obstacles might have you like thinking about like giving up on your dream or mm. thinking it's too hard or maybe it'll never happen and then just like in those books you watch the the character the main character persevere and then they finally hit the goal they accomplish their dream and mm. it's the most it made the journey worth it yeah and and then yeah so those books kind of like painted out a picture of what's to come and I realized I was in good company. Like I said, it's just, it just takes what it takes, right? Success takes what it takes. Yeah. And um, then, you know, once you kind of make that decision, some other great books, The Go-Giver yeah. was phenomenal. Yes. Because what that, I had to, I'm, I'm not, I, I think I'm pretty giving now. I, <laughs> there's some people that are naturally givers. Yeah, absolutely. Right? Then there's some people like me, it takes something for, they got to be a little more intentional about giving. Yeah. And that book gave me a mindset shift and it kind of turned me into somebody that gives more. What I found in that giving more, I've had a whole lot more return to Mm. me than I gave. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Dave, Um, oh, go ahead. 
And then, you know, I guess like the last recommendation would be The Secrets of the Millionaire Mind. Yep, got that one. Read that Amazing one twice. Amazing book. T. Harv Ecker, yep. Right? That book taught me that anytime you're complaining in life, blaming someone, or just not being responsible, you're killing off, you're slitting the throat of your financial future. <sighs> Be trained to take 100% responsibility for everything you in do. your life. Yep, absolutely. You have more power that way. If you have more power, then you have the power to shift whatever's happening in your life. Absolutely, absolutely. I was going to mention um, uh, uh, Dave Ramsey, right? Dave Ramsey has a Dave Ramsey podcast. I mean, I follow Dave Ramsey, read the books, Financial Peace University, everything like that. Uh, and as I don't agree with everything that he says, cause I do right. listen, I do listen to him quite often, him and Chris Hogan and Robert Kiyosaki and all of the greats, all of the people that are, you know, that have done it and that have, that have proven success. Uh, but he always says, you know, you need to, you know, um, live like no one else so you can live and give like no one else. And he puts give in there because there's a special, uh, there's a special characteristic about giving. Right. Mm -hmm. Because it just it, it, it creates a vibe around you or essence around you that makes right. people comfortable with you because they know that you care about the rest of humanity. Right. My mother always right. told me, you know, if you have your hand closed all the time, then nothing can go through it. Mm -hmm. Right. So if you know, if you're like, oh, this is mine, this is mine, this is mine. I keep my hands closed. You know, you can't receive any blessings from anybody else because you're not giving any, anything to anybody right. else. Right. So. You know, I don't know if you have anything that, you know, your parents taught you, you know, when you were younger that just kind of sticks to you. I mean, actually, that's a good question. You know, what have you learned? What have you learned in your childhood that actually has stuck with you in adulthood? Um, let me see. You know, I, I would say that. So remember, my parents, I love my parents. They sacrificed a lot for me to get to. You know, like where even where I am now. But one thing I will say is they kind of taught me the traditional, you know, like go to school, get a good job, you know, yeah. go to college, yeah. make sure you work hard, right? Find that good government job that gets you some good benefits <laughs> yep. and be appreciative of that. So it wasn't necessarily the things that necessarily you know, caused me to move forward. But because of those things, I started to kind of like challenge certain myths that kind of like went through certain previous generations. Mm. So even that I'm appreciative of. Nice, nice, nice. I like that. I like that. Breaking down the myths. Um, yes, breaking down the myths. I had, I had a, a stage where I had to go through the same thing. And that actually brought me to doing this podcast so I can make sure right. I educate, educate as many people as humanly possible about, you know, what what life has in store for you once you get past the fear and the failure that you may experience. Right. You know, they always say, get get knocked down nine times, you know, get up ten. Right. <laughs> you know, you know, you get knocked down. So what? Everybody gets knocked down. But it's, you know, what you do after you get knocked down that actually tells us who you are. Um, right. So. So, Miss Ross. Outside of everything that you done dropped during this episode, what words of wisdom, you know, can you give to our listeners to light a fire in their seats uh, to follow the path of, le the path of uh, leadership and entrepreneurship? 
Right. Look, if you're if you're stuck, if you're in a rut, or even if you're inspired, you're ready to go. My number one advice is make sure you're around the right people. It's costly, a hefty cost when you're not around the right people. But when you are around the right people, <laughs> the payoff is large before you even hit the goal. Yeah. So do everything you can. Make sure you stay around the campfire. You can't help but stay warm when you're around the campfire. And that's it. You can't help but stay warm when you're around the campfire. Mm-hmm. Man. Last question. Because I know you got to go. I know you got acquisitions and stuff <laughs> to look through or whatever. And I appreciate all of the time. I think we might have went over time. But this, this episode was highly... Highly, highly anticipated, especially from all of the people I said it was going to happen to. So, you know, Miss Ross, Miss Shavir Ross, Chevy Limitless on Instagram, Chev90 at Yahoo.com for any, and not Yahoo.com for any questions that you guys might have as listeners to Community Money Podcast. Will you be sure to come back to the Community Money Podcast to share more of your achievements in an effort to continue to motivate and inspire our listeners to go out and create their own businesses and create their own way of life, the life that they deserve, the life that you talk about so passionately? Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Man. So did you have a good time? I did. <laughs> well, I'm dedicated. I'm dedicated to making sure that you have the, you know, the most wonderful experience on a community money podcast. And guess what? You deserve this. <laughs> you deserve. Actually, let me get you two. You deserve a standing ovation for everything that you did for us today. And I know you got things to do. So thank you so much for sitting down with the Community Money Podcast, answering the questions, diving deep into the deals, talking about, man, seller financing, private money, uh, being able to have that certain rapport with your with your, your clientele and, and building friendships and building networks and, and everything like that. Like, you are a testament of success, and I am glad that you had the chance to sit down with us. And thank you for the book suggestions, too. I'll make sure that uh, my listeners pick those up on Amazon. And if you have, if you ever want to come back to the Community Money Podcast, hit me up. Shoot me a text. You already know how to find me. Will do. Thank, thank you. you. I appreciate you for, um, you know, having me as a guest and everything. Being so uh, persistent and making <laughs> sure, you know, I got your emails and everything. So I, I appreciate it. It was fun. It was it was a great podcast. Look, look what, look, persevere, right? Persevere. I'm already trying. I already persevered. I got you on the podcast. So guess what, guys? Community Money Podcast, Guru Ham, CEO, Community Financial Investments, host of the Community Money Podcast. This has been me with Shavir Ross, and we are out. Thank you for listening. Peace. Hey everybody, Guru Ham here again, thanking you for listening to the latest episode of the Community Money Podcast. I just want to take a little time out and ask you guys to share these episodes. If you like what you heard, please share, share, share. Look at the last five people that you texted. 
Do you think that they will benefit from listening to the Community Money Podcast? Do you think they will benefit from knowing how to use their money better? Do you think they will benefit from understanding how to start a business? And the things that business owners around the country and around the world are thinking about as they start their business. Because honestly, we're no different. Some of us have aspirations to have billion dollar businesses and some of us just want to pay off our house. Some of us want to put our kids through a better college and some of us just want to make more money and enjoy life better. So please share, share, share the Community Money Podcast. This is not a moment. This is a movement. Thank you.